It's good to see you guys again, and we're starting a new series called The Stories of Jesus. We're going to look at 18, no, wait, 16 stories of Jesus, parables of Jesus, over the next eight weeks. So it's going to be a lot of content, and want to encourage you to use both these uh, streaming online gatherings and also use the small group material so you get a good, robust look at the whole of the parables of Jesus. Now, everything Jesus did was intentional. He didn't do anything that was off the cuff or willy-nilly. God is very intentional. And when Jesus told parables, told stories, he did so to illustrate something in a very practical way that we might be changed by what he has to say to us. So he tells these stories with great intent. Uh, this is to be a reminder that the greatest stories ever told were always the stories of Jesus, a great communicator. So a few years back, Tara and I were in Israel. We're going down from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, it's literally, you go down to Jericho. Jericho is below sea level. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on planet Earth that doesn't have water in it. The water is there. It's dead. because the Dead Sea. So the fishing there is not very good. Anyway, going down to Jerusalem. But we're going down. I see a sign. It says, it says a sign. It's pointing an arrow. It says, the end of the Good Samaritan. I rolled my eyes. I went, Really? Is this a tourist trap or what? This story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, just is a parable. It's not like where there's the end of the Good Samaritan. This is ridiculous. This is, yet once again, people who are leveraging a tourist event and they're just making money, only to find out that it was a real event, that Jesus told, took a modern, an event that had happened in, in the present, and he told a story off of it, that really drove down a deeper truth. Jesus, the master communicator, did this a lot. He'd take an actual event, then he'd extrapolate it, or he would take a, a something that might occur and he'd extrapolate it to make it really have life and meaning. And the story of the Good Samaritan really makes a lot of sense because if Jesus was telling a hypothetical situation, nobody would have believed it. Nobody would believe a Samaritan would stop and help a Jew. Nobody would believe that because there was such animosity and racism between the Jews and the Samaritans, actually between the Jews and the rest of humanity. So nobody would believe that. But because it actually did happen, that Jesus was able to leverage that, that event and really tell something that was really pertinent and, and awesome. So I really kind of had to eat some crow on that one. And in fact, next time I go to Israel, I want to go to the end of the Good Samaritan. I kind of want to see it. Now, in studying for this, I heard some kind of mystical overtones about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Like, uh, this is really an, an allegory, and you are the one caught on the road, beaten by Satan and left for dead. Jesus comes along, and he rescues you. He binds up your wounds. He anoints you with his oil. That's his Holy Spirit. He places you in an inn. That's the church. He gives two coins, which is the ordinance of Lord's Supper and Baptism. And by the way, he's coming again. Okay, that's not what this story is teaching. What this story is teaching is not some kind of mystical word picture of the church, the function of the church. That's some preacher making up stuff. What this story is teaching is two really important truths. First of all, to love people. And the second of all is to show compassion out of that love because you love God. And this is what drives the story of Jesus. Compassion means a lot to Jesus. Compassion reflects the heart of God. The Jewish people were to be known for their compassion. 
But after the Babylonian captivity and the return back to Israel, they drifted into this unbelievable entitlement, elitism, and arrogance that said they were better than them, and they were above, and even they had a caste system within their own rights, that if you weren't a scribe or a Pharisee or a Sadducee or whatever, you were just less than. And so they had this elitist thing going on. Compassion was pushed aside, and people lived under the tyranny of religion and religious legalism. Jesus was confronted by an expert of the law, and he wanted to test Jesus' knowledge. Now, how silly is that? But, you know, we do that a lot. We want to... Let me tell you a quick story. I was in Kansas City speaking at an event, and I was in the weight room of the hotel I was staying in. I was lifting weights. And there was a guy in the corner of there, and he was working out, and I thought, you know, I'm such a physical expert here. I know how to lift weights. I've had training, blah, 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 blah. But So I was going to go over and tell this guy what he ought to be doing. Walked over, introduced myself to this guy, and he told me he was the trainer for the Kansas City Royals. I asked him for advice because in my arrogance, I thought I was somehow better than him. And this expert in the religious law was doing the same thing. In his amazing arrogance, he was actually asking the author of Scripture about Scripture in a condescending, arrogant way. This expert really didn't want an answer, but he was looking for an opportunity to expose Jesus. And basically, Jesus slam-dunked on his head. So let's hear the story, let's look at the context, and let's see what Jesus is saying to us today in the parable, the stories of Jesus of the Good Samaritan. So Father, thank you for those who are joining us today, and I pray you'll speak to them, that it'll be your words that they hear, not ours, and Father, that you will deliver to them truth that transcends what we understand, that we might live differently because of what you say to us, and how we apply that word to our lives. And we pray this in your name, amen. And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10, or you can follow along on the screen. So let me, give, let me read the scripture passage for you, and then we'll talk about it. An expert in the law stood up to test him, to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. And Jesus said, Well, how do you read it? He answered, Oh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. Now, okay, where did this dude get that? Probably, if you look at Matthew's recording, Jesus said it first, this law, this expert was regurgitating what he'd already had heard from Jesus. Now, remember, Luke was writing to Gentiles, and so when he said that, maybe he was being a little condescending towards this expert, probably, but he was writing in such a way to expose this expert's self-inflated ego. And Jesus said, you answered correctly, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, that's the expert, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus took up the question and said, Here's the parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell in the hands of robbers. They stripped him and beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, now a Levite was from the tribe of Levi, and they were the priestly tribe. Now, was the priest a Levite? Yeah, and the Levite was a priest as well, but he was off-duty priest. He's a preacher on vacation. So, 
Okay, that's that's kind of the context. And he arrived at the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Now, Samaritan was half Jew, half Assyrian. They had moved in to occupy the place in Israel. They were looked down upon by the Jewish people. They were considered half-breeds, less than, not fully human. You get the picture. Racist. Uh, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. And he went over to him and bandaged his wounds and poured olive oil and wine. He put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is basically two days' wages, over and above what was necessary. He gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these do you think uh, provided proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? Oh, the one who showed mercy to him. Uh, that's what the expert said. And then Jesus said, hey, go and do the same. What? This is a Samaritan. Go and do the same. Now, let's look at this. And let's talk about it. Compassion really is revealed, reveals the heart of God. God is compassionate, first and foremost. The language of heaven is mercy. Compassion is mercy on display. And compassion hits the heart of God. The expert quoted the great commandment. And we believe a great commitment, the great commandment, the great commission grows a great church. Okay? Say that a lot. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. And to go in the world and preach the gospel. That's kind of what we believe as a building life church. That's what holds us together. And Jesus, what he did, he, he took what he had already to taught, and this guy often regurgitated it, and then he drilled down to it. Now, what's, what's amazing? If we love God, we have to love people. No, wait, 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 wait. I know people who love people, but they don't love God. Or they love God, and they don't love people. Church is full of that second group. Listen to what Pastor John says in his epistle, 1 John. And how is it we come to know love? He laid down his life for us that we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's goods and see a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, he does not love God. He does. How does the love of God reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. You know, we talk about sharing the love of God, sharing the love of God in word and in deed, the gospel in word and compassion in deed. That's what share is talking about. That's why we say we connect, grow, serve, and share. That's what we talk about here. The Jewish leaders had abandoned the laws of compassion, and they were focused in on the laws of legalism. The leader knew the right answer. He just didn't live the right answer. Boy, that's big. For you to know what to do and not to do it, that's sin. That's what the Bible teaches. So then I ask you the question, and he, Jesus asked the question, said, the expert asked the Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Because he wanted to get off the hook. He thought his neighbor was a fellow Pharisee or a fellow expert of the law or a fellow someone who lives up to his standard in his class system. He said, that's my neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? But that really wasn't the case. What Jesus said, this is the tendency to self-justify. I'm going to love my neighbor. Leaders ask the question from a cold heart. He didn't think the Samaritan could possibly be his neighbor because he thought 
He was so elite, and the Samaritan was a half person, wasn't a whole person. Now, we look at that in modern-day America and go, well, how could anybody think that? A lot of people. I was driving through Austin the other day and saw all the homeless camps on the interstate, and I could immediately be judgmental and say, oh, they're half people. But they're people who matter to God, people who are dearly loved. They may be people suffering with mental illness or addiction, but I want to tell you something. It's not a sin to be sick. It's a sin not to do anything about the sick. That's why we have the peace plan, and the C of the peace plan is to care for the sick. So homelessness should be cared for and not politicized or not looked down upon, but looked over in compassion. Now, some of you that just made you mad, deal with the stuff in your heart. The leader base is answered on the lowest level of commitment. I'm going to choose my neighbor and then respond compassion accordingly instead of looking at people as his neighbor. So I ask you the question, who are you in the story? Okay, now Scott, yeah, you're really getting down to it. Okay, are you robbing people through your actions of lack of compassion? Hmm. I had a guy in my church that he, uh, he got saved, trusted Jesus, I baptized him. He owned a chain of payday loan companies and became a Christian, and he sold them all and got out of the business because he saw he was just using people. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Some of you may have that business and you're very compassionate and use it as a ministry. That's between you and God. This guy fell under conviction that what he was doing wasn't right, so he made an adjustment in his life. Are you robbing people uh, through your racism? Your attitude of they're not really human? What are you doing to rob, rob people? Uh, of the day, I, I've got this practice that I do that if I see someone standing on a corner and asking for money, if I have money, I give it to them. Well, the other day I was driving down the road, the only thing I had was a $100 bill. I wasn't going to give that to them. I just wasn't. I guess that's sinful. And Tara was in the car with me, and she said, there's a guy out there. I said, all I got's a 100 Do you got any change? She goes, no. I said, well, I'm not going to give him a 100 because my compassion has a limit, you know. And she looked at me. She said, maybe what you ought to do is get some Whataburger gift cards Maybe some water and food. Maybe you ought to keep that in your truck so that you're giving people something that's really, golly, you're so good. That's so thoughtful. I haven't done it yet, but that's so thoughtful. I make sure I you know, gave her the $100 bill. Next question, she said, what are you doing with $100? Okay, that's all another conversation. But that's the whole thing. Am I being selective about who is my neighbor? I make vows and I break it. I guess I'm the only one that does that. Or maybe I've been a victim of brutality. Maybe somebody's beat me up. And therefore, I harbor bitterness and resentment, and I'm left wounded and bleeding on the side of the road, and I need somebody to come by and give me compassion, but nobody's stopping. Hmm. Maybe I'm a person who's trapped in religion, like these two dudes that walk by, the priest and the Levi. I'm too important to stop, or I'm too busy with spiritual the spiritual bubble to stop and to render aid. Now, let me tell you this. The priest knew if this dude was dead, he touched this guy, he was not fit to serve out his priestly role because he would have to isolate for seven days if he touched him. And he had a job to do at the temple, so he made a decision based on legalism. The other dude, being a Levi, was thinking, well, I'm, you know, in the future I'm going to have to serve and I'm just too busy in my bubble. i got to go read you know, the Levitical law again or whatever. I don't know what was going on in him, his heart. But 
These people were caught up in legalism. Are you caught up in legalism? Are, are you so busy with your Bible study and your latest, you know, Beth Moore study? I'm not picking on Beth Moore. I'm just throwing it out as an illustration. Are you stuck in this so much to you don't see compassion and opportunities for compassion? This is what Jesus was talking about. Are you a person of rescue? See a need, meet a need. Step into the void. Do what's right. I don't know. But I do know this, that your actions reveal your heart. Hmm. Andrew Murray was a South African preacher, lived in the early 1800s. He wrote a book called In the School of Prayer. He wrote a lot of books, and he's amazing. He's one of those books you have to read four or five times to really retain it because it's so, like, deep. But he made a very simple statement. Your whole world is in your heart. Your whole world is in your heart. So I need to have a heart change to see a need, to meet a need. There doesn't need to be an invitation of compassion, but a commandment of compassion that I react to. I love God and then love people, period. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment. It's not the great convenience. It's the great commission. Oh. You see, the least of these become the greatest of these in the kingdom of heaven. Jewish people didn't believe Samaritans were, were people. They, were, they didn't believe they were capable of worshiping God. They just believed that they were you know, fodder for hell. Gosh, I don't believe that in my head, but sometimes the actions of my life reveal what the content of my heart, and my heart really says that. You see, they, the Jewish people believed they were unkept and unclean and unqualified. To quote Shakespeare, unburied, unwept, and unmourned. Do I do that to people? Hmm. This Samaritan redefined compassion. And because it was an actual event, people leaned in and listened and go, okay. Now I'll say this to you. Compassion is risky. It's risky. The thieves could have been right around the corner and jumped on the Samaritan and robbed him too. It's inconvenient. He had to stop. Compassion causes you to surrender your time and your money and your safety. You might get bloody. It's going to be costly. You might get dirty. And recovery might cost you more time and more money. Now, the deeper truth here is this, that a changed heart will produce a changed life. Now, I tell you this today, not to convict you, well, maybe a little, but I tell you this today to remind us what the heart seeks, the eye see. Your whole world is in your heart. What the heart seeks, the eye see. So how are you going to respond? I've got a bunch of scriptures that I'm going to read, and just to let them frame you up, and then there's going to be a song at the end, and, and you're going to have an opportunity to maybe raise your hand to be prayed for, maybe just raise your hand and say, hey, I want to be connected, hey, I want to be in a, in a, in a life group, hey, I, I want to get in, hey, I want to step into membership. You're going to have an opportunity to raise your hand online and say, hey, hey I'm in, hey, I'm in. I want, to, I want to volunteer for the border. I want to be involved in, in, in reaching people beyond where I am. I want to volunteer to reach my neighbors. Maybe you live in Idaho or Iowa or 
New Jersey and say, hey, I want to reach my neighbors. I'm, I'm in. Hey, I want to lead a microsite. I'm in. I want, to, I want to read these passages. Let's see what God says to you. Maybe you need to say, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm yours because I'm the guy on the side of the road beaten, wounded by life, and I need Christ to come heal me. Let me read for you. It's First John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Who does not love does not know God because God is love. We have this commandment from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. That's John, 1 John again, 4.21, Ephesians 4.31-32. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath Shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate, 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 compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Colossians three twelve through 14. Therefore, as God has chosen ones, holy, dearly love, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you should also forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, or as one translation says, the perfect clothing for a believer. Wow. Lastly, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them and say, truly I tell you this. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Matthew 25, 35 through 40. Wow. Heart changed by the compassion of God that I might live his compassion to others. That is the story of Jesus. That changes your life. Father, I pray that we'll not be hearers of the word but doers and that from an overflow of your compassion we will live out the story of Jesus that we see a need, we meet a need, we respond in compassion, we become great lovers of people. Father, there's some listening who need to give their life to you. I pray that they will whisper right now, Jesus, I'm yours. There's some that need to raise their hands and say, Jesus, I want to serve you. And they'll take the next step, step into membership, step with spiritual maturity and growth, step up and serve, step out and share. They'll take that next step, whatever that might be, leading a group, leading a microsite, leading a missional movement in their community. I pray, Father, they'll take the next steps and that we will live all for you, King Jesus. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Remember, I love you, and I hope this helps. Go and be a good Samaritan.